0: hello
1: hello hello oh my god it's happening it is happening It's happening right now <laughs> right live yeah. and in person yes <laughs> it's so lovely to see your gorgeous face it's so lovely to see your gorgeous face outside of a computer screen yeah totally in person i'm so happy you're here likewise monique made the trek all the way to the deep dark <laughs> recesses of brooklyn I sure did to come visit me and dealt with the goddamn mta which everyone <sighs> knows is a fucking nightmare
0: it is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and and I am someone who ex- is extraordinarily fortunate and that where I live and most of the things I do, I can walk there. It's my favorite. And I understand that's not 99% of people who live in New York, obviously, but that is very much my almost entire New York experience. So when I do have to take the subway, I'm like, I don't understand how people do this every day. Yep. It's such a shit shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah, you always see some shit. You always smell something. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not pleasant.
0: Yeah, and then the trains are like, "Where are you going?" Fuck. Because we've decided where we're not going. <laughs> Go fuck yourself.
1: That train doesn't exist anymore, and you've been waiting thirty minutes for nothing. Yeah. Good luck with your life. Exactly. Yeah. Just it's a constant gaslighting by the MTA. Yes. That is correct. That should be their slogan, actually. Like, like, welcome it would be, to the gaslighting.
0: Be very accurate.
1: Also, you're late. You're Sorry. late. We're not going to
0: get you anywhere you want, even in the vicinity of where you're supposed to be on time. Go fuck yourself. Okay, thanks. Bye. But I'm here against all odds.
1: You are. And I'm so happy to see you. And since this is the first time I have seen you since your birthday, mm-hmm. I come bearing gifts for you. Oh, my
0: goodness. Amy Traden, I adore you. Let's do this one first. Okay. Oh, my God. There's more than one. Stop. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know if you recall when I gave Amy her birthday gift, she commented on how beautifully wrapped it was. <laughs> and I was like, that's a bold-faced lie. This actually is beautifully wrapped. Um,
1: it's just really nice paper. I've used like a million pieces of tape, which to me is technically like cheating when you wrap a gift.
0: No, not at all. I don't think so. Thank you. It is beautiful. I
1: bought, yeah, paper. I bought a three-pack of... uh reversible wrapping paper. So this might be way too big because I bought a medium and then when I got it, I was like, this is like an XL.
0: It's wonderful. I also know how to shrink stuff. Do you? Amazing. I do. um it's a, wonder- <laughs> it's a wonderful shirt that says, if you wake up in a house that's full of smoke, don't panic, call me and I'll tell you a joke. I <laughs> love this so much and it's so... The only thing I can offer anyone ever.
1: That's, I know. <laughs> you <laughs> always say that. You're like, I can tell you a dick joke. Like, that's all that's I've got. And I that's can't help you. This is perfect.
0: Um, this is wonderful. Thank you Yes. So much. You're
1: so welcome. And then I have this for you as well, but I realize I'm kind of an asshole and I bought you something that's like really annoying to carry back on a train. So if you don't want to carry this back with you, I'm happy to like hold it slash deliver it to your apartment for you oh at a later goodness. date. I was like, it was also very ambitious. Oh my goodness. There you go. (gasps) Also beautifully wrapped. I know. Three pack of double-sided paper is my Amazon purchase of the week.
0: I mean, you got to love that Prime, baby. Right? Oh my God. I'm so excited. Okay, you guys. Monique
1: has like collapsed on herself and is like clasping it to her chest as we... (laughs) at this very moment i'm so excited already okay like
0: like seriously no bullshit i'm like a second away from sobbing no
1: don't that was not my goal at all but i love you so much no it's
0: so beautiful
1: (laughs) no it's you needed it in your life i i knew this one as soon as i saw it i was like this is for monique this is yes I know you. Yes, love words, and you love like words of affirmation and keeping things so visible. Much. And I knew that this was the correct gift for you.
0: I'm like full on sobbing right now no! because, of, <laughs> because of this gift. Um, we discussed this. I'm pretty sure in an episode. We totally did. Yeah, we did, and uh, we were talking about our love affair with Ted Lasso, and that in episode one, I believe of this season, there's this really beautiful monologue. Uh, by very sexy Roy Kent. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Where he talks about a woman's, like, romantic interest and that he's fine. And he says, don't you dare settle for fine. So she got me this gorgeous framed print that says, don't you dare settle for fine. And I'm sobbing. It's so beautiful and I love you so much. I
1: love you so much. I am so happy you love it. I... I knew it was for you. I saw it and it's so perfect. And now I'm like, I'm getting a little teary too. So I adore you so much. And don't you dare settle for fun. You're amazing. Girl. I'm sobbing. I know. I'm like, now I feel terrible and I should have saved this for the end. I broke Monique, you guys. Um. God damn it.
0: This is so beautiful. Thank you so much. I love you so much.
1: I love you so much. I hope you have somewhere to hang it. That was, like, my one turn. I was like, I'm, like, going to give her something that she's going to be like, I have literally nowhere to put this in my apartment, and oh, now I have to, like, I'm, like find if, a thing. If I have to
0: 86 some shit, I don't give a fuck. Yay! Like,
1: this has to be prominently displayed. Oh, <gasps> I knew it was for you. Nothing has ever spoken to me more and, like, screamed
0: Monique than when I saw this, so. I mean, I consider myself to be a really thoughtful and good gift giver. You
1: fucking are, girl. You fucking nail it. Every time. This
0: is, like, one of the best gifts I've ever received in my life.
1: Her saying that genuinely just gave me full body chills. (laughs) Like, that is so sweet because I know from, like, one amazing gift giver to another, like, that means so much to, like, get the gift giver their thing that they're like, holy fuck.
0: I'm also pretty certain I've never sobbed at getting a gift. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and then had all of you lovely folk to listen to know. it. Monica's <laughs> <laughs> um, secretly hating a little. <laughs> I'm I'm not a little part all. of her that's hating. Like, I have. Uh, it's funny. I have, uh, as you may put together, if you're into horoscopes at all, uh, because my birthday was recently. I'm a Scorpio, which means I feel all of the feelings all the time. But I've also, throughout my life, have learned that that's not acceptable to show people. So I just yes. kind of keep it very uh bottled up so i can come across as exceedingly cold
1: yes uh, i think that's part of why we get along so well <laughs> yeah
0: like i just am like always like right like just beneath the surface just like brimming with emotion so s- something as thoughtful and beautiful and lovely as this i just i'm just overwhelmed
1: i'm so happy i adore you so much and i knew you would love it and i just that is for you
0: Thank you so much. You are so, so welcome. I love you so much.
1: I love you so much. You're amazing. I'm so happy to have you in my life. Likewise. Happy fucking birthday. Thank you. Yes. I like, ah. I truly cannot handle this gift. I'm sorry. I'm like giddy, you guys. I like <laughs> might end are. the
0: episode right here. Like, we're good. We nailed it. <laughs> like, guys, <laughs> this is another fucking horror podcast. Follow us on the gram.
1: <laughs> keep it cute, keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my God. This is yes
1: ted lasso like such I'm an amazing show so
0: behind on the season i because...
1: am too but just uh it warms the cockles of my heart and roy kent
0: oh i know he's, there. he's here he's, he's there. here yeah he's every fucking word. roy <laughs> kent. kent oh god what a fucking babe um this is so wonderful
1: i'm so glad thank
0: you so so much
1: you're so welcome i know it's going to enrich your life and it's going to bring you wonderful things I can already sense this. I'm manifesting this for you.
0: You don't have to manifest it. It's a stone cold fact.
1: Buck, yes, yes.
0: And I'm I'm uh, very sentimental. So, like, even the jewelry I wear is very like personal, personal, yeah. and purposeful. And and the shit I have in my apartment is very purposeful. And and I have lots of quotes, and I love a quote. And currently. no. And yeah. As luck would have it, this this gift is especially apropos now. Good. So. I love you so much.
1: I love you so much. Don't you dare settle for fun. I stand by this. I
0: will not. I Go. promise.
1: I adore you so much. We I... can move on to other <laughs> spookier, horrifying things if yes. you want. If I, I know it's a lot.
0: Uh, I, I can't mm-hmm. handle that gift. I'm so happy you loved it.
1: You deserve all of that and more, and I just – I'm so happy we've been on this journey together, and we've – done so many amazing things and we've created this amazing thing and it's just likewise
0: and i will say it's so doing the show was an insane amount of work which Amy yes. does double the amount of work that i do and i do a lot and it is a thing that it, there's you know the rush to get it out and every week when i listen to the edit the initial edit so that i could do notes i always find myself so happy and charmed by us and just being like "Ah, this is why we're doing it yes this is yes um and it just is a a constant source of joy in my life
1: it's so true i'll i'll forget little things little like
0: jokes you (laughs)
1: you told during the episode that then i'll listen back and just will like tickle me to death and i'll just be like i like fucking love you so much and just like "Oh, you cracked me up all over again i love it
0: likewise i love you so much
1: i love you so much Now that all the emotional stuff is out of the way, you guys. Now we can get to like the really scary horrifying. Have you watched anything? Do you want to like do like a little palate cleanse before we jump into
0: it? So the only thing I really want to say Say is I went to the theater twice in (gasps) one day.
1: Did you really? What did you see?
0: So I saw Thoughts of a Colored Man with Margot. Oh, shit. Hey, Margot. Um, Which was really beautiful and profound and uh, thought-provoking. Uh, and it's on, on the Broadway. <laughs> and uh, so that was really wonderful. So we saw that matinee together. And then I saw The Woman in Black, which is playing at the McKittrick. It's back oh, playing shit. there. And it is a horror play. Yeah. And I, I've seen it, I think it was my sixth time seeing it. Really? Yes. Oh, shit. Because it's that good. Damn. And when I went to see it, I'm like, Amy needs to see this with me. Yeah,
1: I've never seen it. I've only ever, like, heard of it in passing.
0: It's It was a show that for, like, a decade I'd heard about and I wanted to see it, but it was playing at West End in London. It was kind of the only place it was playing. And then okay. a few years ago, it did its first U.S. tour in, like, the three most random cities ever. It was Cleveland, Chicago, and, like, Seattle. Like, what did we, like, pick it out of a
1: hat or something? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, the
0: only thing I can imagine that it didn't go to New York is that they probably already had the contract with the McKittrick to play it there. But there's something that I just, I love from, like, a performer standpoint of, like, observing the audience that even though, obviously, I'm not performing the show, but it's a thing that, like, the first, like, one or two scares, the exact same thing happens in every performance. The audience laughs. They're like, "You got me." Yeah, you got me. Okay. All right, that was All good. Right. That I was, was good. yeah. Okay, I had a little jumping there. Okay, and then it's like by like scare three or four that everyone is like tits deep in it, being like, "Holy fuck! What the fuck is happening?" Okay, and so is it jump so-
1: scares or is it just kind of? Okay, there are I jump scares. It, yeah, in I it? guess it kind
0: of has to be, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's- but it's like it's it's so wonderful, and I love it so much. And I just found out it's playing. At minimum through the end of January. Oh my God. So I need dates because we're fucking going.
1: I would love to. That sounds amazing.
0: It's amazing.
1: <gasps> Except I don't like to be like actually scared. I hate
0: jump scares. No, I mean like me too. Like obviously we screamed together <sighs> yes, at, yes. at the little magpie run and, De- and Deb was our protector. But Deb.
1: <laughs> De- Deb. Is Deb coming to the show with us? That's what I need to know.
0: Girl, I'm into it. <laughs> You're invited officially, Deb, because Girl, I need you. Let me know. Um, it's so good. And, and it's that thing, because it's so well done, you get en- enveloped into the story and then a thing happens. You're like, fuck! Oh! Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so
1: good. Am I just making a thing up now or did uh, Dana Radcliffe? Yes. In, the, in a movie? Yes. Okay. The movie's the movie not movie version good. Was.
0: Okay. Because the play is essentially two characters retelling an incident so they are doing all of the other characters it's two actors playing gotcha characters gotcha gotcha and it's just fucking wonderful and i remember because i heard about it from my ex ages ago that he had gone to london for like a semester abroad and had seen the show and he's like "Oh, i got like super scared watching a play and i was like Okay. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Better like what? (laughs) And then I saw it. uh, I when I found out it was touring, I went to Chicago with Donna. Hey, girl. And uh, Donna's originally from Chicago, and she had her two nieces come, who's like who are my age. Okay. And
1: I know whenever somebody says niece, I always picture like nine year olds. Yeah, of course. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, (laughs) Like
1: she's thirty two.
0: Like no, they like she's married and just had a baby. (laughs) Uh, And it was like us. Clutching each other, like <laughs> screaming in this theater, and when I saw it, it was so wonderful that I saw the matinee the next day. So I saw it twice. Really, in hours. it's fucking that really says phenomenal. something. Okay, yeah, damn, yeah. So we gotta go.
1: Okay, I'll go, but you have to tell me when stuff. Can, you have to like maybe warn me when things are gonna jump. No, I can't do that. <sighs>
0: I'll okay. just I'll just hold your hand the whole time. Okay, it's fine. And I'm then like, I will buy I'm you my... drinks before oh, before the show and at intermission. And they give you like free shots of Jameson at the oh. show. Oh. So, you know. They give
1: you free shots. That's how scary it is. They're like, here, you need this. You like need this girl. <laughs>
0: like
1: little Take the edge. Off. Liquid courage, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh shit. It's so good. All right. I'm in. I'm willing it. to be scared for the evening. I will uh <laughs> Monique's face is not reassuring in any way, shape, or form. She's rubbing her hands together. It's
0: a, <laughs> it's slightly maniacal, I think. It's so good. All right.
1: I'm excited. I yeah. would
0: never put you through something that I couldn't go through, and the, I'm a fucking baby. I was gonna say
1: the fact that you've gone through it six times gives me yeah. a little bit of yeah. comfort. And it's one of those things like I can obviously I'm gonna survive a jump scare. I just it's a don't play. like it. It's far away. Just it's don't a play. like people just, just watching see me be thing. scared and looks
0: startled no nobody else does that's why they laugh the I first know. two scares like, ah. oh my god yeah and then everyone is like <gasps> and I'm like I love this so much <laughs> oh, it's so good it's so
1: good I bet it's so much more fun too when you obviously like know what's gonna happen so you can watch everyone's reaction to it
0: I love that was the thing with uh, Hereditary oh I saw it yeah. twice in the theater and yeah. it's semi-spoiler if if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it it's it's not really gonna mean anything to you but the scene where she's like in the top mm-hmm. corner. Oh my god! That, that the second time I saw it, I loved how like hearing when the different people, people in the like realized, it. yeah, like and I just yeah. love that uh, very visceral reaction. Um, I think it's just really fucking cool, and I think that's what makes things like horror and comedy really amazing because it's like immediate. It's very visceral. It's fuck it's like the, the joke is you know the joke is funny immediately and you know if the thing is scary immediately there's not like well let's go yeah, write a fucking a kind of, dissertation yeah. on like how i felt about the english patient or whatever the fuck you know and i just
1: that's really interesting i kind of never like, yeah. looked
0: at it like that i mean because i i always was one i because there's this like intersection between comedy and horror and you see that people who are really big comedy fans tend to be really big horror, horror fans, fans. And yeah like, why is that and my guess, which could be wrong because what the fuck do I know, is that it is that immediate cathartic release with both. Yeah. The joke is funny. The thing is scary. Immediate, And you immediately release, like, yes, when the thing happens. It's not like I need to go and contemplate my life afterwards or like, what did that mean? It's like, no, immediately you have a very visceral reaction. It's funny. That's scary. And I think... It's like two sides of the same coin. Totally. Yeah. yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I yeah. never thought of it like that, but I love that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And as someone very who perceptive. considers herself more of a comedic actor, although my CV would not suggest that because as soon as you cry in one... As soon as you do one fucking Shakespeare tragedy, everyone's like, you can cry in the room, right? Great. <laughs> and like, that's fine. And you know, lovely, whatever. But I like... I like the immediate like I know I know how I'm doing immediately. Yes. Like I know that that joke bombed or I know it went well. And then I think it's a similar thing with the horror of like the just it's very immediate and visceral and I just love that and think it's really fucking cool. <sighs> yeah, I love that too. Yeah. Girl, date night. It's fucking happening. I'm so excited. Okay,
1: <laughs> I'm in. I'm officially on I the will podcast. hold your hand. Accepting. For okay. All the- okay. My palms get really sweaty, so I feel really bad for you. But me too. It's okay. fine. It's amazing.
0: Well, since I was talking about spookiness, do you have any spookiness to just? I've got a little. Go right into. I could,
1: yeah, I could, I could just like slip into some spookiness, like right now.
0: Yes. Give me a minute while I oh, slip into something a little spookier to like actually officially introduce the show. Oh yeah, because we like faked it. We faked it. Yeah, this is another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trayton. Also known as the best podcast partner in the fucking world. Hey
1: <laughs> girl, you too, ditto. Same. Same. Dynamic duo. All right. Um, okay. So I always play this game with myself every time I have the paranormal story, which is the game of how long has it been <laughs> since know. Amy has done an alien slash UFO yeah. story. <laughs> And I feel like I went all of October without doing one because I was didn't. like, we need, like, spooky ghosts and stuff. Ghost children, apparently? Yeah. Which was the ghost theme? Ghost children and, like, imaginary friends and terrifying demon oh, God. demon children. Uh, my, like, one alien Halloween thing was my Halloween costume, obviously. Uh, and you
0: broke Halloween. I did. I tried. Oh, I'm sorry. We need to take a fucking second oh, wait, before we, before we oh, shit. continue. What happened? Um, I was talking to one of my regulars, Jamie. Yes. And... I mentioned you and I was like, oh, my podcast partner was at the party. And she goes, who was she? And I go, she was Ripley and her boyfriend was CEO. And she was like, shut the fuck up. She's like, I spent all night looking at her. She's so fucking beautiful. Stop I can't it. handle it. She looks like Scarlett Johansson. Oh my God. I'm sure she gets that a lot. I'm like, she does. Facts. I will never
1: not take it. I love it every single time. Don't stop telling me. It's
0: amazing. And she was like, I'm not even like bi, but like, girl. Girl! girl,
1: so you just, just saying? I loved this story. I'm so happy you stopped everything to tell me the story. I'm like, it needed to be told. I'm like giddy again. I'm like, a, I'm on like a roller coaster right now, you guys. Oh my gosh, I'm like blushing. Hey Jamie. <laughs> hey girl. What's up? Alien it up, baby. I love it. I, like, I have no no complaints about that. <laughs> All right. So it's been long enough. I felt that I could safely do a alien slash UFO story, um, and I decided to. Go back to Storm's request for a British Columbia themed paranormal story. Storm, girl, looking
0: at you. Damn.
1: (gasps) I try. I try to check the boxes. I did not forget about you, girl. I know it's been a few weeks.
0: This is so exciting.
1: It was very exciting. This is one I stumbled across when I was doing research for the other one. And I was like, this one's good too,
0: but I'm going to save it.
1: Yeah. So, sources... The show Alien Mysteries, Episode 3, Karina, Mm. ctvnews.com, ufoinsight.com, Hows and the YouTube video, A Canadian UFO Abduction Story with author Karina Sables, an interview with John Kelly of The Secret Message Report. Oh, shit. So, while Karina Sables was born in Belgium in Brussels, her parents moved her to Quebec when she was just two weeks old. She grew up in Canada, and after her mom died, was raised by her father. She got married and had a couple of kids, but her husband and her eventually split up. Wanting a better life for her kids, Karina decided to move to Aldergrove, a small working-class town in British Columbia, mm. which,
0: fun fact, is where they filmed the show Bates Motel. Oh, shit! Yep. I love Bates Motel. Right? I, I didn't finish the last season because sometimes I'm really bad at that, but I... Uh, Vera Farmiga, fucking get it. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. So good. And I, the guy who played the brother? Sploosh. I want to say I kind of only watched the
1: first season I don't even know that I made it past it's that I remember being great. really uh, really into it though and yeah. thought it was very well done yeah Um. although in, do, in coming across that it was filmed there I realized they like tore the the like house down or whatever the set they had built yeah. for it so you can't like go visit well, it anymore really yeah that's yeah. usually how that womp goes womp womp <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't just leave it there for all eternity Monique god damn it no
0: there's probably some developer who's like I want to make condos there Stupid. Yeah, no. I mean, that's just about. how it rolls in Miami. I'm sorry, so yeah. everywhere.
1: <laughs> so, on the night of July 17th, 1991, Karina's boyfriend, Tom, had come over to visit for the evening. The two were getting serious and had even discussed getting married at some point. Mm. After she put the kids down for the night, the two of them went outside to have tea on the patio and enjoy the nice, warm summer night. As they sat there talking, though, everything suddenly went eerily quiet and Karina started to feel a strange humming sensation in her abdomen. Mm. She immediately turned and asked Tom if he felt that, and he said he was just about to ask her if she felt that. Then Karina noticed something in the sky above them and told him to look up. Mm. Neither of them could believe what they were seeing. A large boomerang-shaped object the size of a football field was moving through the night sky. Jesus Christ. Yep. Karina said whatever it was, it appeared cloaked and that they were only able to see the size and shape of it because it completely blocked out the stars behind it, which sounds exactly like what Terry Lovelace saw at Devil's Den. And I just have to say there are like kind of a lot of parallels between this story and that story to the point that it was like getting like a little eerie for me, honestly. Yeah, that it was just like, damn, this is just like... 'Cause the same shit was over and over again.
0: Terry Lovelace the one where they're like, Oh, well, you there was like some movie about Betty and Barney Hill that played and that's probably what like where you got this info or like
1: I'm not a hundred percent, but they do that for
0: like a lot of
1: well, because a the, lot of people. I think it might have been that actually. Because yeah. also
0: with Betty and Barney Hill, they were like Well, there was an episode of The Outer Limits that had mm-hmm. aliens that played that week too, so that's probably what it was. Everyone got it from there, yeah. It's like or like They really think this thing happened, though. Yeah. And, like, I I fucking lived on the Outer Limits and on fucking Twilight Zone. And I was never, like, they're, like, little men in my room. You know what I mean? Like, and no one has ever, like, made bank from being, like, I was abducted by aliens. No. Everyone is, like, teased. Yes. and they're like their life is fucked up for the rest of their life.
1: Yeah, and they have like fucking PTSD, like serious PTSD. Yeah, like <laughs> from I can't leave shit. the house. Yeah, so a lot of
0: them like thanks. can't sleep and shit. This isn't some like Zach Bagan's bullshit where the no, like, I was possessed. Come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Come to fuck. my fucking haunted no. museum in fuck Las Vegas. Them. No, fuck you.
1: Yeah, he's just trying to make fucking money, and he's a exactly. fucking asshole. yeah. And I know they always like chalk it up to like, oh, they saw something, read something, whatever. Karina says, like, that was never an interest for her. She, like, didn't yeah. watch sci-fi, didn't, like, read stuff about this. Like, this was not something that was, like, ever a big mm-hmm. part of her life or anything she was ever interested in at yeah. all. Karina said watching it approach made her feel claustrophobic, and she wondered if it was ever going to stop coming down. There were no lights, no sound. It was just floating along. But then it stopped dead on a dime. Mm-mm. Tom couldn't handle it and started to panic. He told her they should go inside and immediately ran back into the house. But Karina wasn't afraid and decided to stay outside and keep watching it. She said it felt like only two or three minutes at most, that she was watching it and one second it was there and the next it just was gone. After it disappeared, Tom came back outside and seeming a little angry, asked her where she'd been all this time. Karina asked him what he was talking about and told him it had only been a few minutes and that she'd been standing right there the whole time. But Tom insisted that she had disappeared and that he had just spent the past 45 (gasps) minutes looking everywhere for her. And he couldn't find her. When she continued to insist that she hadn't gone anywhere and only a few minutes had passed, he told her to look at her watch. When she did, Karina was shocked and confused. She could have sworn she had been watching this thing for only a few minutes That she had stood right there the entire time, but her watch showed that 45 minutes had indeed passed. Tom told her that he had stayed to watch the kids, not knowing where she had gone or when she'd be back, but that he was leaving now that she was there. He didn't believe her when she said she hadn't gone anywhere, and after that incident, he never came back again. Not long after, he called to say goodbye and end his relationship with Karina. And they were like gonna get married, yeah. This is how badly this terrified him, that he was just like, I'm
0: I'm good. I'm just going to, like, fuck off. If the possibility of an alien cock-blocking me and cock-blocking my life were a thing... Absolutely not. I would... It would be scorched earth. I would... Fu- I'd be like, call me the manager. Like, I don't know who the fuck I need to talk to. What the fuck is this? Yes. Yes.
1: Also... I have to give this guy, like, kind of a little bit of credit, because we always say, like, as soon as anything, like, weird or creepy happens, like, get the fuck out of there. Like, immediately peace out. Like, what are you doing? Get the fuck out of there. And He understood the assignment. He kind of did. He kind of just was like, you know what? Uh, You clearly have something going on here that I don't want to be a part of, and I'm going to fuck right the fuck off. Okay, thanks. Bye. Good luck with that. Bye. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) So he ends his relationship with her, but... She couldn't stop thinking about what she had seen and the strange period of missing time she had experienced. She knew that things didn't match up and that something wasn't right, but all she could think was, what do I do with this information? Yeah. She knew what she had seen, what her and Tom had both seen had been real, but she didn't know who she could even tell about this huge cloaked boomerang shaped ship. She didn't want to be ridiculed, but knew that that was the likeliest possibility.
0: Right, of course.
1: Eventually, she decided to contact the planetarium in Vancouver and ask if they had had any calls on the night of the 17th. Oh, reporting. that's so fucking so smart. So smart. I know. When she said that, I was like, all right, I wouldn't have even thought of that. I no, I'd be
0: like, well, I saw a thing. I'm just going to pretend like I did it and let it fester in me for the rest of my fucking life. Bury that The way deep. a Cuban does. <laughs>
1: like can i get a drink to to drown that into and then just have it
0: come out in moments of rage and be like what the fuck is this (laughs) like sorry i was actually yeah
1: (laughs) sorry i actually like saw ufo i was like abducted so it just comes out of me sometimes
0: who are you calling a psycho (laughs) don't worry about it
1: (laughs) so she calls the planetarium and asked if they had had anyone report anything strange in the sky they said no, but told her they'd put her in contact with UFOBC, a UFO investigation organization who might be able to help her. Mm-hmm. After telling them her story, they agreed to take Karina's case and told her that there were about 15 other UFO reports
0: that night. Get the fuck out. Yep. It's not a get the fuck out. Of course there-
1: Of course! Eight of which were for a large boomerang-shaped craft. To Karina, this just further confirmed that what she and Tom had seen that night was real. Despite this confirmation of her experience, she said she still didn't know what to believe, though, and isn't sure what happened during those 45 minutes of missing time where she was unaccounted for. (sighs) The strange experience made her remember something similar that had happened as a child. But she said she didn't really know what name to put to it or how to explain it at the time. Mm. It took place in October 1969, close to Halloween, and Karina said she had been invited by some friends to go play hide-and-seek in the forest.
0: Red
1: flag. Like, absolutely not. I Okay, it's no, so the 69. No. I guess, like, that's what you do no. in the 60s to have fun. You just, like, go play hide and seek in the woods with your friends. Um, there's also not a time of day that's, like, said about this incident. But from what I can tell, it seems to be, like, evening when this is happening, right. which is, like, even more fucking terrifying.
0: Well, I guess from a hide and seek standpoint, that is the That's the ideal.
1: Yes. Time. That's how you hide in the dark. But that's also terrifying. Ten thousand percent. I don't want to play that game ever.
0: I also uh, don't understand what it is to grow grow up where the woods are just like an acceptable part of your life. Cool. Uh, so maybe they're like, yeah, totally. Like it's fine. It's the woods. I
1: there kind aren't just of rapists
0: and murderers and ghosts no. and shit living in there.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can kind of remember like I wouldn't really have considered it and, the woods because we were were the woods. Uh like a little bit uh i was thinking mainly where i grew up in north florida which was like live oak okay so kind of but usually you'd like it'd be like kind of against somebody's like yard or property so you'd like walk like
0: backyard yeah
1: you'd like walk from their yard and usually there'd be like a little path or whatever and you'd like walk through the pine trees and there might be like a little pond back there or something and then you'd like turn around and come back I would never go at night. Certainly not. No. Like, it was always, like, the middle of the day, and, like, the scariest thing was just that there were, like, fucking spiders everywhere, and I just, like, didn't like spiders. God. No, <laughs> but, children. like, literally,
0: like, the movie Sleepy Hollow, which is underrated, fucking great. So good. And the movie The Witch, where oh, there's just, like, yeah, in it's your backyard. It's too terrifying. No fucking thank you. Yeah. No. No, no, no. Again, I didn't grow up with them, so maybe that's what
1: it is. I, no, I'm terrified of the woods now. I was just oh. an an idiot as a child, and I just had no fear when I should have had fear, clearly.
0: Because... Well, because you're not aware of your mortality. Yes, you're exactly. You're going to live forever. This is Fame. fine. <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs>
1: this is safe.
0: This is responsible. <laughs>
1: no. Uh, I'm definitely not playing hide and seek in the fucking forest in the dark now. How the, the fuck now? Definitely not. But Korea doesn't give a fuck. She's like, yay, fun, friends, amazing. Eventually, it was Karina's turn to count, so she closed her eyes and started. When she was done and ready to start looking for everybody, she couldn't help but notice how silent the forest was. There was just absolutely no sound. She couldn't hear the other children or see them and Mm -mm, said mm -mm. she started to get the shivers. Mm -mm. She noticed a strange, musty smell that seemed to envelop her and follow her and suddenly just had an intense feeling of fear inside her. She felt like something was following her and, absolutely terrified, she started running home as fast as she could. She said she was so scared that she didn't dare look back. When she got home, everyone was freaking out and her dad kept asking her where she had been. All the other kids had come back about an hour ago and said that they hadn't been able to find her. Mm -mm. She couldn't explain what happened to her and, to this day, says she has no idea where she went or what happened that night. But knows now that what she experienced was another period of missing time.
0: Well, it's that thing of like you had mentioned it of like that they kind of like tag you, yeah. And then like, they like check up on you again and just follow you, steal your time again for
1: your whole life. Yeah, that's like what they did to Terry Lovelace. Yeah, so fucking creepy. Which, like, again, is like another one of the parallels of yeah, yeah, yeah. of this story as well is that like. From the time she's a little girl. And like she said she had a lot of episodes as a teenager, basically every three to six months kind of, would have these like crazy nightmares or just like, again, like periods of disappearing and nobody really like knowing where she was and stuff. And yeah. And she just like didn't really acknowledge it or realize that it was a thing until basically she was 34, I think she said.
0: Holy shit. It was like
1: when she was like, oh, Okay. This is happening, and this is, like, a pattern in my life, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrifying. So crazy. I can't even imagine that. (sighs) UFOBC explained to her that episodes of missing time are common in abduction cases, and it isn't unusual for people to wake up afterwards with unexplainable marks on their bodies. (gasps) Bruises, burns, and sometimes even fully formed scars that they didn't have before have, Bro, have all I been abducted? Been because reported. I wake
0: up with bruises all of the time.
1: I know. Whenever I read that, I think I think of that too. Where I was like,
0: that Also, is- I yeah. just know myself, and I just bump into everything. Everything, yeah. I'm a wrong person, <laughs> and I'm not coordinated. I also will just
1: like use my limbs in stupid ways where I'm just like, Yeah, this is fine. I'll just like shove this with my like one tiny part of my body, and then it's like, Oh no, that I didn't fit. That didn't. Yeah, nope. And that hurt. All of the time. Yep. That's the baseline. For sure. <laughs> I know. I swear I I feel like I didn't wear like skirts or shorts or anything for years and years just because like my legs are always just like one big
0: bruise basically. Oh, same. But I'm like, that's... If you have a problem with it, that's a you fucking problem. Yes. This is, these are the rocks that I'm this. rocking. Fuck yes. It looks like I've been fucking gone to town with an aluminum baseball. <laughs> and I love it. I used to... um uh, I used to exercise with a weighted hula hoop. <gasps> oh my God. Are we soulmates? I love a hula hoop. Grawl? how the fuck are we just now putting I this together? I don't know. I will
1: hula hoop all day, or every day. If there's one around, like, or girl. Or motherfucking day.
0: Yeah. And Queen Marissa Tomei has like a hula hoop <gasps> exercise video. Yeah. How did I not know this? Grawl. yes. So I'm someone that like, I'm... I'm like Sputnik, I'm round but pointy in some parts. And so my pelvic bones protrude out a fair amount. And then when like the, the hoop would like go down, you know, you'd like have to like shimmy it back up. Yeah. But it would like hit, hit that bone. So Ugh. I looked like, like I had been like savagely beaten. I'm sure. Because it's, just it's like, like a five pound yeah. like, hoop, um, you know, to like, you know, slim that waist and like get those abs going.
1: Um, I'm so intrigued by this. Yeah, yeah, I never had a weighted hoop. I had one that was like filled with water, which kind of like helped it yeah. like keep its momentum,
0: which was cool. It's the same. It, it's okay. essentially the same, but it's it's about five pounds, and it's supposed to like help like trim your waist so that you're like sexy. And uh, I like, love it, like Marissa Tomei. Made, like, Marissa get it? Tomei yeah. Academy Award is that what she to does to say so trim? A fucking apparently get it, girl. Work. All right. Um, no, but I'm like I live it just having bruises on me all of the time. <laughs> I, if you Ow. do not recall the episode where I was like, "There's a huge bruise on my ass. I have no idea where it came from." It was me. It was me running into things. That's. It was not an incubus. It is it not, not an incubus. <laughs> there was nothing. It was not an alien. Supernatural. No. It's just me being an uncoordinated human being was a fucking disaster.
1: Crawl, <laughs> sick. I feel that too much.
0: I feel like that's not true.
1: What? That I'm not an uncoordinated person?
0: Yeah. Why? I've seen you
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> no one could see my face right there but it was, it was, it was pure severe. disbelief it her was pure eye roll had an eye roll the, it was severe. the worst part is I shot a look to the microphone as if the microphone was gonna like give me a look back of like bitch girl It's I like know. you be yeah. fucking knowing yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like microphone what's this bitch talking about <laughs> I have my moment. Sometimes I catch things left-handed, and I'm, like, really amazed at myself, and I'm like, how did I do that? It's literally sane. It's like I have reflexes or something.
0: It's I, amazing. I, I think it's
1: the, the take a penny, leave a penny. Yes. I think it's what it is. <laughs> I'm going to crash into, like, 16 tables, but I'll catch that uh, bottle in on one while. thing and be
0: like, I'm a fucking god.
1: <laughs> should I have been in sports? Like, is that what should no, have happened? No, no. Not at all. No. no. So we haven't been infected by aliens, but we're covered in bruises, so... <laughs> To recap. To recap. That's where we're at here. They told her that it's also common for those who claim they have been abducted to have a distinctive scoop mark, usually on their leg, where it kind of like looks like a little piece of like flesh has uh just been taken out. Karina immediately felt uneasy and confirmed that she has had a mark on her leg. Get the
0: fuck out.
1: Yep. Since she was a child and said she never really knew where it came from. Mm. When she went to a doctor about the missing time, they weren't able to come up with a specific diagnosis and just gave her some wishy-washy answer. Right. Karina says she's never taken drugs and doesn't drink, even to this day. Despite how sure she is about her own experience, she admits that she probably wouldn't have believed somebody else if they had told her the same story. Sure. Over the next few weeks, Karina tried her best to put everything behind her and just move on. Then one night, after she put the kids to bed, she was laying in bed trying to fall asleep. Her cat was asleep next to her and purring, Ugh, then love. suddenly got up and started hissing towards the nope, closed nope, bedroom nope, door. Nope, nope,
0: nope, Oh my fucking God. Girl. No. no. When animals, animals react are-
1: to shit, it really, like, there's something about it that just, like, oh, it's, like, all of your, like, animal primal instincts inside of you that you try to repress as a human that are just, like, immediately come rushing back to you.
0: So, as everyone knows- Unless it's your first episode, which if it is welcome, but, um, <laughs> you picked a doozy. <laughs> so, so growing up in Miami beach, I had two cats and whenever a hurricane was coming, yeah, they, they would know freak the fuck. And it wasn't, it was on like the, the day, day to day before slash two days before. Yeah. They would be super uneasy. They'd be freaking the fuck out and if you've ever experienced a hurricane the day before it's just it's the most gorgeous it's the day beautiful, it's a beautiful it's day it's sunny oh. there's not a cloud in the sky because basically the hurricane has like sucked everything, everything yeah right and then like when you see that you're like oh we're fucked yeah and but you would look at the animals and they would be freaking the fuck out yep Because and i was like i don't know if it's just like the barometric pressure that they're they're very sensitive and they you know there's clearly a situation where they feel things that we are not able to as a species. Yeah. So when it's shit like that, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck it is you're You know something I don't. I You know something I don't. Mm-hmm. And I like, I'm not like, cat. why are you being so silly? I'm like, what Stop the it. F- yeah. fuck are you seeing? <laughs> Do I need to call 911? Yes. What is happening? Yes. Yes. Basically, this cat is Jonesy
1: from Alien, and it's trying to, like, a bitch now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hi. Yeah, it's right there behind the door, by the way. Yeah. Beachy dubs. So, it's doing the whole scared cat thing, back arched, first standing on end. When Karina went to check the hall, she saw a being standing in the hallway. She said it was about three feet tall and grayish in color, with a pear-shaped head and two huge black eyes. Mm -mm. Of course. Of course. The grays. Classic. Boom. She was terrified and said there was a feeling, a sense that she had seen him before. Mm. Oh, oh, which again, that oh. was a Terry Lovelace thing too, where he yes. was like, "I fucking know this bitch."
0: <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I have. Hey,
1: you're wearing a different hat, but I think I know you.
0: It's like the Samantha Jones from Sex and the City, sexual icon, where she's like, "Have we slept together?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? I think <laughs> I, like, I think it, you took me to your ship. It's NBC. like, um, yeah, I thought that was like kind of like the kinky game we were playing. <laughs>
1: That is the kinky game <laughs> these fucking greys are playing for real. Gra. She said, quote, I could see its image like it would be there and then its image would appear in front of it and in front of it and in front of it. I don't know how else to describe it. It was kind of floating into the room, end quote. Then Karina watched in horror as the being went into her daughter's bedroom. <gasps> she ran in after it, terrified for her child. But there was nothing there, and her daughter was still sound asleep in her bed. Karina told herself she just had a bad dream and forced herself to try to go back to sleep.
0: But, like, so, yeah, okay, I'm someone who doesn't recall their dreams very often. But when I do, there is a very marked difference between the, like, that's my mom, but it's Demi Moore, actually. But, like, in this dream, yes. actually is my mom. And the dreams that feel very real. I've had like maybe maybe a handful of dreams that I was like, no, my grandfather was here. Crazy. Like, I it's happened like once, but like my my mom and my brother have had them very severely of like specifically your grandfather, yes, right? That it was like, wow, it, like him appearing here, to that. Like, yeah, his voice was so clear. It was he was here, and you can like tell the difference between those two of like. I was in my house, but it wasn't my house. and you, like Yeah, like, oh, yeah, so, yeah. You know? You're like, but I was, like, in Arizona. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but you I know? knew somehow, yeah. And I'd been there
1: before, yeah.
0: And it's not till afterwards that you analyze and you're like, what the fuck? So, to me, the fact that, while I understand you can, it, it's more convenient for your life to be like, this is a dream. Yeah. But when you, like, start thinking about it and you're like, there's not really those things that are weird yep. that... that place it as a dream that didn't happen yes like they're weird for sure but you're not it's not like but I'm in like a field in like Iceland you know like yeah you know what
1: I mean? or like he was my boyfriend but he looked like Leonardo DiCaprio and like, but exactly. but I, like I totally knew who he was but like girl I mean who wouldn't but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can all dream it's fine girl so yeah I couldn't I couldn't do that just be like yeah, it's a bad dream yeah, whatever no no the next morning, while they were eating breakfast, Karina's daughter told her, <gasps>
0: No, no, oh my God, oh my God, okay, quote, sorry. The little white
1: ghost came to see me last night, end quote. I know, girl.
0: <sighs> I am literally gripping the armrests of this chair with my life. I'm not fucking what well, we're going to start. <gasps> I know. Can you imagine?
1: I cannot. I'd be like, okay, again, I'd be like, <laughs> We're calling your grandmother. You're going to stay indefinitely. thank you. I kind of love that in her like childlike brain that she was like, I don't understand what aliens are, so just ghosts. That's 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 more palatable for my little girlfriend. Yeah, I know what's up. Aliens don't be ridiculous. Ghosts,
0: sure. Omni. That's that's literally my entire right.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Aliens, poppycock. Ghosts, here for it all day. Yes, one hundred (laughs) percent.
1: Oh my God! We are literally like two sides of the same coin. <laughs> I am the exact opposite of that. Yes, okay. this is amazing. Karina's daughter said, "Quote: They scare me, but it's okay. They just look weird. They have big heads." Oh my God. End quote. Mm-mm. Shocked by what her daughter was saying, she was even more unnerved when her son confessed that he had seen something go into his sister's room the night before.
0: Get the fuck out. Okay. So we have three people.
1: Three people. Yes. And he apologized for not saying something sooner, but said he had been scared of them. Karina's daughter said that the little white ghosts were okay. She just didn't like the pumpkin head man. And Karina's like, You me what? What the fuck? Okay. Who's the pumpkin head man? Hi. Her daughter said, "He said that he's the doctor. I'm really scared of him because he hurts me, girl. I know this poor little girl, this poor child. Okay,
0: hashtag not a mother, but (laughs) I I am an aunt, and I would murder people for my nephew and nieces for real. The thought of anyone alive, dead, terrestrial, extraterrestrial." Harming my <gasps> child slash nephew nieces, mama bear level rage, ten thousand percent. Yep, Hurricane
1: Amy on the fucking warpath,
0: literally. Mm-hmm. Yep. So to have your like sweet baby girl be like, he hurts. He me. hurts me. <sighs> One, but again, heartbroken, like, what can you do? Thousand pieces. Yes. Two, who do I need to rage at?
1: Yes. Also, what can three? The, what the fuck what do you do? do? Yes. Yes. Like, they take you too. They fucking, like, you don't have any control over it. Like, oh, the thought of this is so fucking terrifying. (sighs) I know. Just like that, the pieces of the puzzle started to click into place and suppressed memories came rushing back. Mm. She remembered what happened in Aldergrove in 1991 when she lost 45 minutes of time while watching that strange boomerang-shaped object in the sky. Remembered being taken up into a gigantic ship, placed in a large, round room and strapped to a stainless steel table. <gasps> there was a weird smell to the room, mm. and the room itself was very cold and dimly lit. She remembered watching as a being approached her on the left. It was tall with a large head, large black, almond-shaped eyes, and thin limbs. She said it had a very bony structure, which gave it almost like a textured appearance. Hmm. Then she remembered hearing clearly in her mind, I'm the doctor. <gasps> Memories of another room surfaced as well. The doctor wasn't in there this time, but Karina wasn't alone. Along the wall, she saw hundreds of aquariums. All of them. Again, Terry Lovelace. Terry Lovelace. Again, like the parallels were like a little too eerie in this one where I was like, this actually is like starting to freak me out a little bit. Not going to lie. All of them filled with human alien fetuses. Karina said, quote, I will never forget that as long as I live, end quote. She had the sudden realization that whatever these beings were, they were implanting women, then coming back later and removing the fetuses. Jaw
0: is on the floor.
1: Girl, I know. And Dr. David Jacobs said, quote, This is what virtually all women say, and the goal is the production of these hybrid human-looking beings. A cross between an alien and a human. End quote. With this terrifying realization, certain things in Karina's life started to make more sense, and she started to believe that her mother had gone through this as well. What Karina, the fuck? yep. Her and her mom both had always seemed to have female type problems. They both had experienced numerous miscarriages over the years, Get but the
0: fuck out.
1: Yep. But Karina said that she would never actually like see anything. Uh-huh. She would just kind of have like all of the symptoms of being pregnant for like three to four months and then all of a sudden like wouldn't have anything and would Get be totally fine.
0: The fuck out. Yep. Is this fucking something I have to be worried about now?
1: Uh kind of terrifying because Karina even said that she remembered when she was a teenager waking up with a severe pain in her navel and seeing blood in her belly button. When she cleaned it out, she said she saw what looked like a needle mark in her belly button, which like, oh my God. What the fuck? Yeah. After that, although she was still a virgin, she said she felt like she was pregnant. She didn't get her period for several months. Her breasts were sore and she was nauseous. Then four months later, she had a strange nightmare. And when she woke up, a strange smell lingered in the room and her father was beside himself asking her where she had been. Get the fuck out! Girl, when he had checked on her earlier, she'd been gone. While she knew it wasn't a dream because there was just too much proof, she preferred to believe it was just a nightmare. I'm sure it's easier. Yep. But after that, her pregnancy symptoms went away. Everything went back to normal. And she just didn't have an explanation for what happened. And this happened multiple times. This happened to her multiple times, she says, yes. Her and her mother both. The fuck? Yep. Karina, who was raised Catholic, said she started to question everything on a mental, emotional, and spiritual level. Yeah. She just felt helpless and completely alone and said she thought about putting herself in a psych ward. Mm. She didn't want to believe it, but knew this was really happening and said the worst thing was realizing it was all real. All she wants to do is protect her kids, but how do you protect them from something like this? Mm. She took to sleeping with a baseball bat in her bed, though she admitted it probably wouldn't do anything, and even went so far as to write on her leg with a black felt pen before going to sleep, I don't care what you do to me, just don't take my children. Which, like, the thought of that, the thought of being at that level of just, like, desperation and just, like, belief that something is happening to you, that you are willing to write on your body before you pass out to go to sleep Because you think things are going to like Take you and take your children Like I can't imagine that
0: No No my child's been on the floor Yeah Like if you need to If you need somebody fine You just don't take my kids
1: Yes oh, but, like, And Mama that's Bear. that thing
0: of like To me At the most minimum This woman believes this Very viscerally to be It's me. happening yes That she thinks someone is Taking her children, something is might be taking her children. Yes, that she needs to write it on herself. Yes, that is not insignificant. No, I don't think so. Certainly not. I've never been like you know. I've never
1: been at that level about anything. Take the
0: cannoli about no, anything. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I fucking love you too. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking
0: love you, but that's the thing I keep coming back to with all of these. Store these alien abduction stories of at the most minimum, these people very seriously believe that this thing is happening to them, yes. And I can't imagine why they would think that unless something something was happening happening to them, yes. And it could be that it's not alien, what we think it is, yeah. But there is something happening, and 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 again, as you were mentioning, there are patterns that keep coming up, yes,
1: that like okay. If this isn't what's actually happening, this isn't reality, then why are these patterns manifesting in this way? Mm -hmm. In this, like, narrative?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Because otherwise, like, it doesn't make sense. No. Still fearing for her children, especially her daughter, Karina said she just woke up one day and suddenly decided to move. They ended up relocating to Kelowna, British Columbia, and for the next 12 years lived a peaceful life. But on July 27th, 2003... That illusion of a peaceful life was destroyed, and Karina was dragged right back to the terrifying reality she thought she had escaped 12 years ago.
0: Mm-mm.
1: On that night, around midnight, Karina was hanging out with a girlfriend of hers who had come up from Vancouver to visit. They had gone out for the night, and on the drive back, her friends suggested they should go stargazing, which Karina had always loved.
0: Sure, of course.
1: That night... Though she wasn't feeling up to it, Mm -mm. but her friend was insistent, so she finally agreed and they drove out somewhere where there weren't any streetlights. The moon wasn't visible and it was very dark out, but Karina had a heavy-duty flashlight with her so they could check for bears and cougars. When they looked up at the stars, they both immediately saw three strange neon green pinpoints of light in the sky. Mm. The lights maintained a triangular pattern and moved together so fast it was unbelievable. Karina felt something watching them, so she turned the flashlight on and shined it into the woods behind them. Both of them saw five sets of eyes looking at them. When she what first. The fuck. Yep. When she first saw the eyes staring back at them, she thought, oh, those must be deer. Then she said, quote, once you really look, your brain takes it in, end quote. And Karina immediately recognized the beings that had taken her so many times before. She tried to yell, but she said she was so scared that absolutely no sound would come out. She tried to tell her friend to get in the car and started running towards her door, but they both struggled as everything went into slow motion. Karina said it was like trying to move through quicksand, but they eventually made it inside the car. Mm. Karina tried turning the ignition, but the car just wouldn't start. Suddenly, all the vehicles... And by the way, like the windows are down and they can't turn- put the windows up because they're electric windows like until they turn the car on. So literally, they like think these things are chasing them and they get in the car, but the windows are like still open. So... Oh my God. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. Suddenly, all the vehicles' electronics went crazy and the engine finally started. They sped away, but both said they still had the strangest feeling of electricity running through their bodies. When they noticed that the clock on the dash was... 30 minutes off get the fuck out they froze i know the fucking missing time gets me every time Mm -hmm. they had only been out of the car for a few minutes but somehow had lost half an hour that neither of them could recall they continued back to the house thinking they were in the clear but the neon green ball appeared again it was low in the sky and it would move then stop several times in succession and they realized it was following them Karina was afraid to drive back home and thought she would be bringing it straight to her children, basically. She eventually stopped the car with the engine running, and as soon as she did, the light approached at rapid speed until it was directly above their vehicle. Mm -hmm. She sped away again, this time driving into an orchard and parking the car in the trees. She cut the engine and the headlights and hoped they had lost whatever was following them. They sat quietly for several minutes until Karina's friend, pointed out the front window of the car at all three of the green lights approaching them. Get the
0: fuck out. They
1: hovered together overhead, moving in unison until they finally separated. Karina rushed home, wanting to make sure her daughter was safe and was relieved to find her sleeping in her bed when they got there. While they discussed it a little bit, both women went to sleep, just wanting to put the strange night behind them. But the next morning made it impossible to forget. Karina woke up with a massive headache. Her friend said she wasn't feeling well either, and as if to prove her point, blood started trickling from her nose. (gasps) I've heard of this. Oh, girl. She also complained of pain down her back, and when they looked, there was a big circular burn on her back (gasps) that they said looked like a radiation burn. Holy shit. Yep. Both women found other unexplained marks and bruises. Then Karina's daughter came in and told them she felt like she got the flu. But when she sat down, her nose started bleeding too. (gasps) Stop. I know. And like, I don't know about you guys, but like I've literally had one nosebleed like my entire life. Like it's not a thing that ever happens to me. So like if suddenly two people I knew and I was sitting across from at a kitchen table in the morning had nosebleeds after some crazy shit happened the night before, um, those things are correlated. Absolutely. A hundred fucking percent.
0: My mom would get them, like, when we would go to high-altitude places. I would say, like, super dry places, sure, yeah. And, like, I used to date a guy that, like, as soon as we got amorous.
1: (gasps) I think we've talked about this before because that's, like, the common Japanese, like, trope of, like...
0: Is Is that a thing? Yeah,
1: in Japanese anime, yes, when a character, like, will see, like, a super hot... A uh, female character He literally will like Geyser blood out of his nose And usually like Shoot himself off Like a rocket From his like Massive nosebleed Yeah They sometimes do like well, A that's... subtle one too Where it's just like A little like a uh, Their like face looks all Like vacant And they're like enamored with you And then yeah They have a little
0: I mean that's clearly Like a repressed culture That's trying to be like <laughs> I'm splooshing Like a motherfucker Yes a Literally lady. like
1: Squirting all over the place No but it
0: was always like Kind of like a mood killer of like, the uh, thing yeah, out and then the student be like, I have a fucking nosebleed.
1: Like, That's annoying. I have to clean it up. Like, you're gonna stain my sheets. Like, I'm wearing a nice okay. outfit. Get out of here. Yeah. Like,
0: I'm just trying to bang. What's happening? Thanks. Yeah.
1: Do I need to shove a tampon up there? Like, <laughs> what do you
0: need? Sorry. Whatever,
1: whatever I need to do to make this work. Thank yeah. you.
0: <laughs> I'm a woman on a mission.
1: Yes. No one ever saw She's the Man. Come on.
0: Awesome.
1: <laughs> Amanda Bynes.
0: Shut the fuck
1: up. Girl, I was obsessed with Amanda Bynes.
0: Like, I am obsessed with you. <sighs> I'm sure obsessed with the man of mine.
1: Okay, good. Obsessed with you. <laughs> I love when Moody gets excited about the things I bring up. It makes me so happy.
0: I see, because I was a, I was a scooch too old for her. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I recall her in, in the wonderful uh, Snick installment, all that.
1: Oh, yeah. That's where I knew her from originally. Of course. Yeah.
0: Um, but when she was doing all that kind of stuff, like a, not all that, but when she was doing her Film career. I was like, no. Told her this bullshit.
1: She also used to be in this show that I feel like was very underrated and very funny with, um, I feel like Jenny McCarthy was in it or something. Oh, what I Like About You, I think was what yes, it was called. Because yes, yes, that yes, was yes. the theme song, was like, What I Like About yes, You. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, there is a line from that show that my mom and I will still like say randomly to this day, which is, um, smells like feet in here. Yay. And I don't know why, but it's just stuck around.
0: No, I love that. I uh, realized I referenced the SNL skit, "Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer," four times this week. No one knew what the <laughs> fuck I was talking about. Did I stop? No, no fuck absolutely that. not. It's your fucking bad if you don't know the fucking yeah. magic of this. That literally, I, there was a, a regular who was like, "Oh, the keg is this this molecular thing. Yes, this chemistry thing is happening with the keg, which is why it's just coming out as foam." And I was like, "Cool, Your Honor." Just a kid. Just a kid. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, no one understands his reference. Does that mean I'm going to stop? Can't stop, won't stop. No. Absolutely not.
1: Live your life. Live your dreams.
0: Goddamn right.
1: Don't you dare settle for fine, Monique.
0: Goddamn right. Yes. Ugh. I love you so much. Love you so much. So,
1: let's continue with the story. It was then that Karina realized she would never be able to escape this and that there's nothing that she could do to stop these things from coming back Mm. and hurting her family. Jesus. She doesn't believe they'll kill her. Take her again, maybe, but not kill her. But to her, it's clear that they're in control and they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, I hate putting it this way, but really, this is what it feels like, you know? Every time they come, it's like you have your spirit, your mind, and your body raped over and <gasps> over and over again. But there's no one you can go to, no one who will listen to you, who's mm-hmm. going to believe you. And they don't understand it. Even if they wanted to help you, how are they going to help you? End quote. And like
0: That is so <sighs> sad and horrifying. of that.
1: I know. It fucking gave me chills and just like... I can't even fucking imagine literally. of, like, feeling like this thing is happening to you without your consent and you're constantly being violated over and over again. And you literally can't even tell anybody because they're going to, like, laugh at you and think you're being ridiculous.
0: Did you ever, ever see the movie Gothica? I don't think
1: so. I feel like I'm... It's fine. It got bad ratings, if I remember correctly. I don't it's remember it being well-received. Okay.
0: Robert Taylor Jr. in it. Oh, I didn't realize a that. Boy and I a total babe. I might throw it on just for him. He okay. met his wife, who a producer on it. Did he? Yeah, uh-huh. So Penelope Cruz is in it, and she. And so they're like in a mental institution.
1: Is that who is it? I thought it was Halle Berry. Is it not her? It is Halle oh, Berry's the protagonist. Okay, Penelope,
0: Penelope Cruz is another, is another Car- character. Character. Amazing. And she's like
1: because two people can be in the same movie. I yeah. In fact,
0: I'm <laughs> learning this just now. <laughs> apparently,
1: but yes, the two people can act in the same movie. The
0: boy. <laughs> So, finale Cruz, she's like, the devil comes in at night and rapes me. But it's like, whatever, you're in a fucking you're, institution, yeah. you're crazy. And it kind of turns out that she is being raped at night. Like, it, it is. <gasps> it, but it's a thing of, like, no one's going to believe Bleeding. me. I'm psychotic. I'm in yeah. a institution. Like, but this is what's happening to me every night.
1: And I have to live with this. And yeah. I have to live with the knowledge that I have to live with this without being, being able to tell anybody. And knowing that yes. no one's going to believe me. Yes.
0: I can't. Imagine It's,
1: uh, it's horrifying. Like, it, I've like had back-to-back chills like three times in a row since we started talking about this. Because yeah. it's really, the thought of it haunts me, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When Karina called to report her 2003 incident to UFOBC, they told her that over 200 other witnesses called in that night to report seeing the same green lights. Two hundred! Girl! wild that is wild that's like next level but she's totally making it up it's like bullshit obviously yeah. Yeah.
0: for all of the money for all the money she's getting that she's yeah getting.
1: Karina said she's not here to try and prove or make people believe that these beings are real and that this stuff really happened but continues to share her story to help others out there who have had similar experiences know that they aren't alone. Mm. She advises other abductees to let go of the fear, saying you can't let this consume you because if you do, you won't survive. While (sighs) what Karina went through is terrifying, she tries to look on the bright side of things, saying, quote, They do take you, but you always come back, end quote which like Ugh. that haunts me too just like yes the thought that you've just like accepted this of like at least i'm not dead like i'm a survivor sure i go through all these because things also, and they're like, horrible what can you do? yeah they're horrible and i feel violated but i'm alive i wake up with my kids still in my bed every day instead yeah. of being who the fuck knows where oh girl karina published a book in 2007 about her experiences called the collectors In it, she details how these beings have seemingly watched and followed her and her family her whole life. She doesn't know why they followed her and keep coming back, but she believes her mother went through the same thing. Mm. Which, apparently, going generation to generation is another, like, common trend of abductees, apparently, which I had not heard of before. Mm. Karina has also been forced to watch as both her children and her grandchildren continue to be affected. Mm. She has photos of a triangular shaped radiation burn that appeared on her son's back. And one time her and her children all woke up with blood in their urine and a sulfur (gasps) smell on their hands they couldn't get rid of. Yep. She even tells this crazy story where like she blew her nose one time and this like thin neon blue piece of string like came out of her nose and she was like. That's really weird. And then she went to show it to somebody, and it literally like disintegrated on the paper. And she like did it repeatedly, like kept blowing her nose and kept getting these like little neon blue strings.
0: I mean, because I've definitely been in situations where there's been like shit in my nose, but like you know what it is, like yes. I know when like when I've done production stuff in theaters, the curtains are flame retardant. Yes. So a lot of so that just is like black bullshit is in your nose. Gets so up when there. You, but you're like, that's what that is. I'm not like it's what?
1: not like oh, it's a yeah, a neon blue it's string like that's yeah. in this
0: theater. Yeah, and obviously I, you know, that's up there. That's what the fuck's happening. Yeah, because you would, whenever that's ha- at least for me, even if it's not immediately, you're eventually able to place where that came from.
1: Yes. Like oh yeah 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 that was that that, thing. that yeah. blue thing sure. yes
0: yes uh-huh sure. So the fact that she's like better like what the fuck yeah.
1: And apparently she like went to the doctor after this, and the doctor was like, Oh, have you like had a lot of surgery on your nose? And she was like, No. Why? And she's like, out. They were like, Yeah, there's like a ton of scar tissue up there. Like, you seem like you've had a lot of surgery on your nose. And she was like, literally, never once before in my life. Yeah. I know. And it was one of those, like, uh, okay. How do you what explain the fuck that? What yeah. Are doing with our nose? Yeah. Easy access, man. Get right on. I up guess there. so.
0: Corpus is already there. <laughs>
1: An orifice with a, porpo- a purpose. There
0: you go. <laughs> orifice with a porpoise. I fucked Why up so badly. Why not the name of this podcast?
1: <laughs> Just rolls right off the tongue.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Karina says there's a part of them that has grown from all of this. They've survived. Whatever these things were, didn't kill them, didn't take them.
0: Mm.
1: One of the things that haunts Karina, though, is the thought of the babies that were taken from her. The idea that she might have children out there that she will never see Mm. and never know. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Karina knows most people won't believe her and will think she's nuts, but she stands by the story of what happened to her with the beings she calls the collectors. Quote, this is something very real and people need to wake up and realize what's going on, mm-hmm. end quote. And that is the fucking crazy abduction story of Karina Sables.
0: Holy fuck.
1: Girl! Karina, my heart goes out to you. Girl,
0: that's fucking imagine. wild.
1: Yeah. I hope you're doing okay. I hope they left you the fuck alone.
0: Here's hoping. Jesus.
1: Girl, you don't deserve any of that. No. No. So yeah, that was crazy. And Storm, that one was kind of for you. Hey, enjoyed. girl. I hope you liked
0: it. hope you enjoyed it. That was <laughs> fucking nuts.
1: All right. You got a little... I do. Crime time for me? Girl, I yeah? can't fucking wait. <laughs> okay, so... Late <laughs> on me.
0: So I went a bit rogue. <gasps> yeah.
1: <laughs> I contemplated going rogue this week for the record, and then I was like, this seems like a lot of work to go rogue. I'm just going to like do my normal thing, and then I maybe go rogue next week.
0: No, I, so I guess I picked up on that, and I decided to go rogue. You did. Um, so, trigger warning, I am going to be discussing events that happened during 9-11. Oh, shit. Okay. And I'm going to be discussing events in detail because it's very important to the story okay otherwise I wouldn't do it because it's gratuitous but you will see why it is important eventually um because we have listeners all over the United States and all over the world we're fucking obsessed with you fuck thank you we are based in New York and this story might be a little close to home because of that yeah so trigger warning on that use your discretion but I am going to be discussing events that happened during 9 11 in this story. So, you've been warned. So, I'm going to be talking about Tanya Head. Sources The Daily Mail, WelcomeCollection.org, Wikipedia.com, Cosmopolitan.com, New and a source that I will reveal at the end of this. Oh shit, I love when you have a secret source. <laughs> In 2001, Tanya Head was living the dream. Originally from Barcelona, Spain, Tanya had moved to New York City, where she worked for Merrill Lynch on the 96th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Her fiancé, Big Dave, as he was known to everyone, was a consultant at the financial services company Deloitte. He worked on the 100th floor of the North Tower, and she had met him in February of 1999, soon after she arrived in New York. The pair met when he took her cab from her in front of the <gasps> World Trade Center.
1: Oh my god, that's like a meet cute. I love it. <laughs> like, no, you take it. It's fine.
0: No, I'd be pissed as shit. I've had that. I would I'd be like, I fucking hate. I'd you. be like, I'm not
1: dating you, you You're asshole. An asshole. How dare you? I was late. Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: but I've also never had like a really cute person take my cab. So <laughs> you be like, okay, hey, hey yep. sure. In 2001, they were living together on the Upper East Side with a golden retriever puppy named Elvis. One day in August of that year, Tanya came home to find a trail of rose petals from the front door to the dining room. She followed the path to find Dave dressed in a coconut bra and grass skirt, dancing to Hawaiian music. On the dinner table was a, as Tanya describes it, really awful Hawaiian cuisine that Dave had prepared himself, and two airplane tickets leaving for the tropical island the next day. Prior to the trip, Dave had had her measurements sent to a local seamstress who made her a custom white dress, and her parents were flown in from California to be part of the surprise commitment ceremony. While the couple had plans to marry in October, Dave couldn't wait to express his love for Tanya. While the ceremony in Hawaii wasn't a legally binding one, it was special all the same.
1: This sounds really cute, and I'm like real nervous right now.
0: Oh no. Okay. And turns. Okay. The morning of September 11th, 2001, while getting ready for work, Tanya and Dave got into an argument. It was a dumb one, but seeing as how the couple never fought, it was frustrating. Dave wanted to get his mother a token present for her birthday, and Tanya thought that they ought to take her out to dinner, which for me, I'm like, isn't that, don't kind you just do same both? Kind of yeah. I like, just
1: give a shit, yeah. I
0: don't know, but that's just me. Take her out to dinner, give her the present of dinner. Done. Bam. What's the issue? Yeah. yeah totally. The two went to work together, still bickering, with the conflict unresolved, and went to their offices in their respective buildings. At 8.46 a.m. on September 11, 2001, an impact like an earthquake rocked the South Tower of the World Trade Center in Manhattan. Tanya, who was 26 at the time, was a manager at Merrill Lynch, was chairing a meeting at the bank's conference room on the 96th floor, when all the walls shook and the windows rattled. The lights flickered off and on. Tanya heard screams from her colleagues, and when they looked up, they saw black smoke billowing from the North Tower. They watched a ball of flames rolling up about five floors below them. Jesus. People began screaming and clutching each other and running out the doors. They grabbed their phones and began calling friends and relatives, begging them to switch on the TV news. As they watched in horror, Tanya noticed... So this bit is a a little tough... It's 9-11, so it's all time. Yeah. But. As they watched in horror, Tanya noticed a speck tumbled from the North Tower window. Ooh, and yeah. then another. At first, she took them to be pieces of furniture, chairs, or desks flung from the burning building. And then she realized what they actually were. People falling out of the building. Mm. At that moment, all Tanya could think was, the man I love more than anything in the world is in that building.
1: (gasps) That was the most intense chill I have ever gotten Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Full stop, period, Monique. I'm still
0: experiencing it. It's so much. Yeah. No, same. I gave myself chills. And the chills are still like in waves coming from that. Yeah. Oh, that was like visceral. Okay. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. As she hurried towards the exit, she started counting the floors of the North Tower, trying to work out whether it was his floor, his office was on that had received the direct impact and prayed that Dave's office was above the sight of the flames. Tanya pushed down the corridor and headed for the exit. Security men shouted at the panicked workers, telling them to return to their offices and stay calm, but no one listened. The elevator wouldn't stop at the 96th floor, so Tanya used the stairs and headed to the open sky lobby on the 78th floor. Tanya and her assistant Christine made it to the doors of the express elevator that would take them down to the 44th floor before they would have to get on another elevator to make it the rest of the way down. But by the time they got there, the elevator was overcrowded and there was no hope of getting in. Panic was settling in for everyone. A man in a suit and tie shoved past her, shouting, quote, This isn't the Titanic, ladies. It's not women and children first. Wow. Classy. asshole. Okay, cool. Classy. Yeah. That's what you want to be known by? That's what you want to say as your, like, possible last word, sir? Fucking literally. Yeah, good for you. Others behaved more calmly, urging cues to form. In moments, the line for the elevator snaked all the way around the lobby. The main thing on Tanya's mind was Dave. She tried to call Dave on her BlackBerry. While in hindsight it seems silly, she wanted to call him to let him know that whatever he wanted to do for his mother's birthday was fine with her as long as he was happy.
1: Oh, that's not silly. That's like yeah, you realizing what's actually important yeah. when fucking shit goes down and she like, gets I real. I don't give a fuck. Off. Whatever. You, you like, want like, to get her gifts. Like literally, get her
0: gifts. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But it's a thing of like the building you're in is on fire. Fair. You don't need to be worried about like the... Like, there are more pressing know. concerns. Yeah. Sorry, right. I just want you to know, like, whatever you want to do for your mom's birthday is fine. Totally cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking Italian or, like... You know, whatever. Yeah, like, cool. yeah, we can do Thai. Sure. As Tanya waited for the elevators, she knew she would never get to marry Dave if she <gasps> didn't get out of the building. Tanya started to panic, so she started focusing on her breathing, remembering some breathing exercises she had learned in yoga. Then suddenly, a woman at the far end of the sky lobby started screaming. Another plane. Tanya saw the wing of the United Airlines Flight 175 Boeing jet slice like a knife (gasps) into the building. Glass and debris filled the air like confetti. And in the blink of an eye, her assistant, Christine, (gasps) who was at her side, had been decapitated. No fucking way, dude. Girl. As the walls imploded, Tanya was hurled back into the marble slab. She remembered thinking, I hope I die quickly. Don't let it hurt. She regained consciousness with flames all around her, and a man with a red bandana tied over his face was beating her with his jacket. She screamed at him to stop when she realized that not only was her arm half ripped off from
1: her- (gasps) Monique. Girl. Okay, I'm sorry. I just reacted very intensely to that. Continue. Mm -hmm.
0: Not only was her arm half ripped off and hanging on by sinews, but she was also on fire, and that the band and the red bandana was actually putting out the fire burning on her mangled arm.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for the story.
0: No, no, no. you're not you're not prepared for the story at all. And I also understand that the story is a lot and can seem a bit gratuitous. But by the end of it, you're no, gonna I understand you. why. Like, I know you wouldn't do this test. No, no, I reason. would not. Yeah, totally. you would never yeah. like just
1: fuck with us to fuck with us. Just no, be like, no, I no, mean, no, yeah, not at all. Let me traumatize you for shits and giggles. Yeah, no. okay, thanks, you're sorry. not that person. No, absolutely no. not. You're gonna traumatize us with good reason. <laughs> okay, it's thought out. Yes. yes. Thank you. We're
0: professionals. Okay. capital, A, capital F. <laughs> the man helped her to her feet. And upon seeing the condition of her barely attached arm, with a sort of detached horror, with her other hand, she supported it using her pocket in her coat as a makeshift sling. Clinging to the man with the red bandana, Tanya struggled through the rubble. A man crawled out of the smoke, held out his wedding ring, and he asked her to take it and give it to his wife. Tanya promised that she would. Tanya's rescuer told her that one of the stairwells was still intact, As they neared the exit, more people stumbled past them, badly burned and fighting for breath. At the top of the stairs, a wave of panic hit her, and she started sobbing and screaming that she was scared. The man in the red bandana told her, you can do this. Then he went back into the carnage to presumably try to save others.
1: Oh my god, who was this man?
0: We're going to find out a little bit.
1: Okay, good. Yeah. I didn't want him to just like be anonymous.
0: No, no. Okay. No, he has a name. And he's a fucking hero. Oh my god, yes. Facts. Tanya, burned and badly injured, struggled down more than 50 flights of stairs until exhausted and weak from blood loss, she passed out again. This time the figure standing over her when she was revived was a firefighter. He told her, we're leaving here together, and carried her down the last 20 flights. Jesus. When they made it out the tower, the streets were filled with toxic dust and ash, the ground shook, People were running in all directions, shouting and screaming that the tower was falling. Her rescuer then thrust her into the arms of another firefighter who flung her under a fire truck and shielded her body as the skyscraper crashed around them. Gasping for air in the searing black dust, Tanya felt the fireman press his oxygen mask against her face. After that, she remembered nothing. Tanya woke up six days later in a Burns unit swathed in white gauze with a tube in her mouth her first thought was for dave she begged nurses to tell her where he was but no one would say it was not until her parents reached her bedside from spain that tanya learned that her fiance was dead and that she was a widow before she had ever been married
1: I, I like, am not responding to this because I'm just, like, a shell of a human right yeah, now. And I absolutely. just, like, have nonstop chills and I'm just so upset. Yeah. But this is, this is wonderfully done and it's very touching and I, like, it right now.
0: You're not ready. Okay, I'm not ready. Tanya's arm was reattached, but she did not leave the hospital until Thanksgiving. Granted, this is September. Damn. Mm-hmm. After she was released from the hospital, she devoted months of research to discovering the identity of the man who had entrusted his wedding ring to her. Inside the gold band was inscribed a single word: "Forever." <gasps> Stop it! The when, chills on this one, Monique. Girl, I can't, girl. You're not. I'm like broken. You're not prepared for uh, the story.
1: This is like your revenge for me. <laughs> you present, you me God damn it. <laughs> Oh, um, okay. You're not
0: remotely ready for that. No!
1: I'm kind of pissed that we don't talk about our stories with each other before
0: we have, have <laughs> them now, because I would have liked a warning. I gave I gave the only warning I could. <sighs> um, when she finally tracked down his widow, she quietly returned the ring without fuss or media attention. She never divulged the man's name. Oh, that's beautiful. But there was no mystery about the name of the man and the red bandana who saved her when he found her unconscious in the flames. He was Wells Crowther, a 24-year-old equities trader and volunteer firefighter who had carried a red bandana in his pocket since he was six years old. He died when the South Tower collapsed.
1: I'm like speechless right now. You're getting me like a little, getting a little teary too,
0: which I don't usually do. Know that it was a thing when, like, the story came out of, like, this man with the red bandana. His parents were like, that's my that's son. That's my son. Yeah. 24. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> of all of the 9-11 survivor stories, none seemed more astonishing or harrowing than Tanya Head's horrifying tale. Marion Fontana, the founder of September 11th Families Association, said, quote, Tanya's story kind of fit into that kind of all-encompassing survivor and a hero and, you know, a widow and everything that kind of 9-11 came to represent on that day. So her story was incredible, end quote. It had taken Tanya a long time to build the confidence to talk in public about her 9-11 experiences. She didn't tell her whole story until 2003, when a man named Gary Bogax invited her to join his group, the World Trade Center Survivors Network. He had learned through word of mouth that a woman named Tanya Head had developed an online support group for 9-11 survivors. After many months of email correspondence with Jerry, Tanya and Jerry merged their groups. The network's purpose was to provide support for survivors of the attacks, as most public support was paid to a select group of victims, victims' families, and first responders but not to the survivors of the terrorist attack. The organization intended to bring together and support those who were also affected by the attacks, including civilians present at the World Trade Center, as well as the personnel and volunteers involved the extensive rescue and recovery efforts afterwards. Alicia Greenwald of the National September 11th Memorial and Museum said, quote, I would call her just an energetic booster for the needs of the survivor community, she genuinely wanted recognition for the survivor network and the survivor community to recognize not only what they had gone through and attest to that, but to provide a venue for them to feel like this is theirs, End quote. Upon learning Tanya's story, other members of the support group were stunned by what she had suffered. Some of them had been in the Twin Towers that day, others had lost loved ones, but Tanya was the only member who belonged to both categories. The regular sentiment from other survivors that kept coming up is that what they had been through was nothing compared to this woman. Even more, she was one of only 19 people at or above the point of impact that survived. What? That's wild. Yeah.
1: That's absolutely crazy.
0: As a result, she was treated almost with reverence by some of the others, and in a strange way, Tanya became a star survivor, with her status confirmed when Bogax was voted off the group's board and Tanya was elected as its president, a new title created especially for her because the group before did not have any sort of hierarchy. Tanya was interviewed in the media, invited to speak at university conferences, and in 2005 was chosen to lead tours for the Tribute World Trade Center Visitor Center, where she was photographed with New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani and former New York Governor George Pataki. She was featured in retrospective 9 11 articles as a representative of the 20,000 surviving victims who escaped the damaged buildings. Tanya pushed for the network to implement a code of conduct, guarding against scammers who claimed to be 9 11 victims but were actually nursing long term injuries and seeking to con money from well wishers. Tanya donated tons of money to the group, spending her own money freely. She became the group's driving force, organizing meetings, booking speakers, winning nonprofit status for the group. During this same time, filmmaker Angelo Guglielmo was making a documentary about the survivors of the attacks on the World Trade Center, and he hoped to make Tanya one of the central figures in his film, but Angelo discovered she was a difficult subject who was not always willing to cooperate. As the years went by, some people in the group clocked inconsistencies in her unforgettable testimony. (gasps) Oh no, okay. Brenton, a member of the 9-11 network, was suspicious of Tanya pretty immediately. He couldn't help notice that the scars on her arm, although serious, didn't look as though they were the result of burn marks. But he said nothing, feeling that it would be a crass comment. Yeah, you don't want to be the person who's like, I don't believe you, actually. Yes. Like, can you... The most traumatic yeah. thing that has happened in the United States in, like, recent memory. Yeah. I don't believe you. Yeah. I have some questions, actually. Right. Thanks. Then there was Dave. She would sometimes call Dave her fiancé and other times her husband. When confronted about this, Tanya said she had petitioned to have their marriage posthumously ratified. Which I didn't know you could even do that. I... Uh, I didn't either. You can. It's just like not legally binding. It's just like for funsies. They're just like to make
1: you feel better, we're going to do this, but like by the way, by the way, like, it means nothing. You're not getting a pension. Right? <laughs> Literally nothing. Yeah. So like we're going to do it, but like exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which like live your whatever dreams. you need Yeah,
1: whatever you need to tell yourself
0: yeah. there, bro. You're good. Then there was the fact that Tanya never shared photos of herself with Dave together. Oh, girl. And was reluctant to make his last name public. Oh, okay. When she finally did reveal it to a friend in confidence, Googs were done, and indeed, Dave did exist. And he sadly died in the North Tower on September 11th, 2001. I was like, and he was still alive and living in Miami. Okay, no. No. His obituary, though, made no mention of Tanya, and neither did any of the articles about Dave.
1: Alrighty then. Not looking good, Tanya. Even the golden retriever Elvis. Don't tell me the dog was not real Monique. God damn it.
0: Was called into question.
1: <sighs> I was really excited about really <laughs> excited about the golden retriever you guys.
0: Whenever friends visited Tanya in her apartment, her dog was never there. He was always out being walked by Tanya's maid. It became such a thing that literally no one ever saw this dog. It's just go buy a fucking golden retriever puppy. Is it really that? Is that really that difficult? Or just like have like dog toys and bullshit around. Yeah. It became such a thing that one of her friends literally flat out asked her if she actually owned a dog. To which after a long pause said yes, she did. And yet no one ever saw this fucking dog.
1: I'm sorry. And like... I don't know a dog owner who doesn't take like a million fucking pictures. Of course, like literally, course. that dog is like licking in their mouth and on their lap, constantly. their dog, yes. and
0: they're putting it on the ground.
1: Yes, ten thousand percent. Especially like if it's literally like crucial to your fucking sob story here. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: be better, do better at lying. Like, uh, God damn the people it, are, like, the worst. you're really terrible at this. And the thing is, Tanya was doing such great work and was such an advocate that these little weirdo <sighs> discrepancies were just ignored. And like, we don't want to call attention to it like the greater good. Yeah. And also it's like, girl, you've been through it. Like you had like the worst story in 9-11. I'm not going to so, fucking give you the third de- or whatever. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Literally. Yeah. So these little weirdo discrepancies were ignored until September 2007, the sixth anniversary of the attacks. Two reporters at the New York Times, Serge Kowalski and Dave Dunlap, read about Tanya's story and were puzzled to find that she had not been interviewed in 2001 during the immediate aftermath. They sought to verify key details of Tanya's story as part of an anniversary piece, but when they tried to speak to Tanya, she repeatedly dodged interviews, then started blocking their calls, and she warned other survivors not to talk to the reporters either. Her best friend, Linda, who was also a survivor in the group, thought the reporters were being mean and harassing her. Like, hasn't this woman been through enough? Just leave her the fuck alone. Panicked by the reporters, Tanya went to a lawyer to prepare a statement, where she admitted to several inconsistencies in her story. (gasps) Tanya, what are you doing, girl? Come on! She conceded she had never worked for Merrill Lynch.
1: Bitch, this was, like, the easiest shit to look up. For real?
0: hmm And granted, like, at this point, Google existed. It wasn't yeah. the force it is now, but it definitely did. <sighs> she was not a rising star at the bank. She had simply visited the offices to apply for an internship. And by bad luck, it was on the same day as the attacks. No fucking way. Dave was not her fiancé. They never owned a dog called Elvis. And in fact, they'd only been dating a few weeks. And the man's family claimed that they had never even heard of Tanya. (gasps) She stole many details and facts from the interview in the New York Times with Ling Young, who worked in the New York tax department on the 86th floor of the South Tower and who was in the sky lobby when the second plane struck and who was guided to safety by Wells Crowther, the man in the red bandana and a true hero. But by the time the New York Times published its expose a week later, even the lawyer's statement started to fall apart. The reporters had done their jobs and started pulling on that thread, and they found out several interesting things. Tanya claimed that she had a degree from Harvard University and a graduate business degree from Stanford University, but neither of those institutions had any record of her. She claimed that she had been working at Merrill Lynch in the South Tower But not only did Merrill Lynch not have any record of her employment or internship, Merrill Lynch didn't even have offices in the World Trade Center at the time (gasps) of the attacks. Bitch, do your research. Are you for real? Come on. Rumors spread through the survivors group that Tanya Head's story couldn't be trusted. Parts were exaggerated, embellished, or simply not true. By the week of September 27, 2007, the network voted to remove her as president, and as director of the group. Richard Zimbler, her successor as president of the World Trade Center Survivors Network, said, quote, There was no reason to doubt her story. She looked the part. She had a badly injured arm that appeared to have burn scars, and her story was a very, very realistic, end quote. In the aftermath of everything about Tanya coming out, Brandon from the Survivors Group said, quote, You're looking at everyone with suspicion. If Tanya could lie, anybody could lie. End quote. The Barcelona newspaper La Vanguardia eventually revealed that not only was Tanya not her real name. <gasps> what? Tanya or Alicia Esteve-Head. Oh my God! Was not in the South Tower of the World Trade Center. She was not in New York. Oh, my God. She wasn't even in the United States on September 11, 2001.
1: Are you fucking kidding me? Girl. 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 Where the fuck was this bitch? What happened to her arm? Tell me all the things. I'm telling you all the I things. I can't handle this.
0: Yeah. So in case it wasn't I can't
1: I felt sympathy for this bitch for like 10 seconds in the beginning of the story. Fuck off.
0: Everyone did. That's oh. why I was like, I need to actually explain what she told people happened to her. So that Because everyone bought yes, into it. Yes. Because like, you need to feel the rug get ripped out from under you yes. like everyone else fucking did. You yes. had people who were like, I lost my friends and I made it out with my life thinking to themselves, I went through nothing compared, compared to, to her." This woman. Uh, this lying piece of Only shit. Only for her to be like... Hi, it's actually all a fucking lie. Wasn't even in New York. Thanks, I was. Fine. I literally wasn't even in New York.
1: <gasps>
0: the audacity! Wow. Ten
1: wow. thousand percent. You're trash, Tanya to slash Alicia, whatever so the fuck your name
0: is. Fucking lightly, yes, yes, literally. Uh. And I will say, I've seen interviews with her, and. It is so believable. I would say, is I, she convincing? Yeah. She, I, I saw her talking about, like, coming home and Dave being in the coconut bra and the, and the thing. And she's like, and it was, like, the worst, like, dinner ever. But he looked it up online. And, like, it is. Wow. Like, that's, like, like, like sociopath. Yeah. That's yes. Like, it, yeah, sociopathic. She nev- and, like, if you wouldn't have told me, under no circumstance, would I ever think that she was bullshit? <gasps> Wow! Holy shit! And that I don't know if this is the case now, but at some point in the in the nine eleven Memorial Museum, there were quotes from her etched into the walls of like her experience. Fuck, dude! Wow! Trash person.
1: How do you fucking live with yourself? That's what I don't understand. Like, how do you literally be like, "This is fine. This is okay.
0: We're gonna get into it." Oh, on September eleventh, two thousand one. Alicia Estevehead was in Barcelona, where she was enrolled in a master's degree program at Esade Business School until she graduated in June 2002. Oh, my God. Alicia Estevehead was born on July 31, 1973, in Barcelona, Spain. Alicia was the fifth child and only daughter of a prominent wealthy Spanish family. Francisco, her father, was a naval engineer. He owned a factory in a maritime industry called Anisa. He became embroiled in a complex financial scandal involving fake payments to the Catalonian finance minister. He was found guilty and sent to jail of Alicia's brother. Childhood friends remember her as a spoiled kid who was ambitious and always needed to be the center of attention, and often made up boyfriends to combat bullying. Okay, all right. The scars on her arm came from a car accident in her teens. Oh. She took a car trip along the coast with her friends, and the car went off the road and rolled over. Alicia was the only one seriously injured. Her arm was severed and flew out of the car. It was recovered and reattached. Between the car accident and the scandal with her brother and father, she started living in two separate worlds. The attention seeker used to tell people in Barcelona that the car was a Ferrari, and the driver was her fiancé. The love of her life. Even more lies. On September 27th, 2007, the New York Times published her photograph and story under the headline, in a 9-11 survival tale, the pieces just don't fit. (gasps) After the publication, Alicia disappeared. She made no excuses. She didn't apologize to anyone. She just vanished. Member of the support network, Brandon, said, quote, from what I can tell, she had never been in the World Trade Center. At all? Period? Period? She moved to New York in 2003, (gasps) so no. Bitch. It's obvious she did her research on Dave, whom she had never met. I mean, she knows where her company was located, so she probably did research on us. She was probably just watching us and trying to see what we were talking about and how we felt, and she adopted the personality. You know, she knew how survivors felt after going through something like that. And she became one of us, end quote. Survivor and former best friend Linda said, quote, Tanya was my sign that God was there that day. I felt like God had protected her. Well, God's going to protect me also because she beat the odds that day. She beat all the odds that day. So to have that taken away from me, the sign that God was there that day. And it, she like starts getting emotional at this point. Yeah, Fuck. There's nothing that she could ever say to me today or going forward that will ever change that pain and the anger, and I'm sorry, but the hatred that I have for that woman right now. I don't have any room in my heart to find sadness for her, what she did to me, what she did to the 9-11 community, what she has done to the families. I want answers. I want to know. I want to know who she is. I need to find that out. End quote. Now, interestingly, further investigation suggested that she actually hadn't committed a crime. Alicia was never paid for her activities or involvement with the Survivors Network. She didn't take any funds from the group. And in fact, she was a leading donor. Yeah, you
1: said that. She put a bunch of her own money in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you fucking better. You're, like, lying your ass up about this shit. And it's not a cute look. So no. at least fucking be... And
0: she, like... Doing something. Girl, like, if you see her interviews, she, like, like...
1: So does she just, like, believe her own lies? Or
0: is she just, like, a sociopath? Or is she, like, just an amazing actress? We're, what gonna, is- we're gonna get into it okay. a little bit. So why she told such colossal lies, perpetrating the most offensive fraud imaginable? Yeah, that's the... Thank you. Yeah. Like, that's the part that really gets you is, like, it's offensive. It's offensive. Absolutely. Because people, like, I dated this guy in college who was from uh, Jericho, Long Island, and his dad, and Long Island, and there's a lot of people who work in Manhattan who live in Long Island. Yeah. And his dad was a pharmacist. And I remember, I think there was, like, an HBO documentary. It was about the Yankees playing in the World Series after 9-11. Okay. And how, like... The country kind of, like, it was, like, America's team. Like, we need this after everything that happened. And I remember watching it with his dad. And there were relatives of customers of his who had passed, who were interviewed in the documentary. And, like, he got very emotional and, like, would have to leave the room because he, like, wow. knew these people who had passed. Yeah, fuck. So, like, it's a very visceral thing for people you know I it's that it's one of those things that you know where you were when that happened and the thought uh, it's just it's a very insane to be like I was there and I also had like the worst story of everyone Alicia Greenwald of the National September 11th Museum speculated quote for some people who need some kind of identity or notoriety or visibility this became a way in Tanya's case I would guess I don't know for sure but for her to feel needed." So was Alicia simply telling lies, or can this bizarre fraud be attributed to a pathological form of self-deception? There are many psychological disorders listed in the Diagnostic and Statisticals Manual that perhaps point towards a definition of such a condition. When experiencing a delusional disorder, patients struggle to tell what is real or imagined, In a histrionic personality disorder, sufferers are characterized by patterns of attention-seeking behaviors that result from an excessive need for approval. And then there is the controversial condition known as pathological lying, referred to diagnostically as pseudodialgia fantastica, where a person tells incessant lies that are mostly aimed at inflating their own importance. However, there's no consensus on the condition since... There are conflicting ideas about whether such behavior is willful or automatic and unintentional. But there are a couple of studies that are interesting regarding this. In a 2018 study by psychologist Laura Page, 42 experimental patients filled out a questionnaire about what they were doing the day before. However, on half of the questions, they were told to tell a lie. 45 minutes later, they had been told to fill out the same form again but this time to only give true answers to the questions. After being questioned at a later stage, some came to believe that the original lies they told were actually truths, particularly participants that were in the older age bracket of 60 to 92. Data derived from the respondents' brain's electrical activity also illustrated that the act of lying engaged the part of the brain that's responsible for working memory. It was as if the original lies had infected the truthful recollections, thus resulting in the innocent confusion later on in the experiment. When it comes to more substantial lies involving whole events, it seems that the same concept applies. In a landmark 2008 study into forced fabrication by Quinn Chobrak and Maria Zargoza, participants were asked to invent entire accounts of fictitious events in their lives, including experiences with people, locations, and events they'd never seen. While participants initially resisted, they felt uncomfortable about creating such fabricated reports. But from within the ethical confines, because, you know, we got to state that, that this is, like, <laughs> ethical, this isn't, like, crazy shit. Not, yeah, fucking around here. Right, but within the ethical confines of the psychology lab, they were, quote-unquote, forced into fabricating fake stories. A week later, those involved were still able to clearly identify their invented fake story against true accounts. However, after eight weeks, the response was markedly different. Nearly 50% of those who took part freely reported those forced fabrications as real, even if they had refuted them earlier at the week one test. The original source of the information in the form of a lie, had become lost in the minds of the participants. Such an automatic propensity to believing knowingly false information has major real-world implications. Police interrogators have often used false stories to trigger an association or used misinformation that will confuse the suspect. After lengthy interrogations, what is recognized as quote-unquote truthful becomes blurred and can on occasion lead to false confessions, the Innocence Project has worked tirelessly to exonerate those who have falsely confessed under such conditions, and forensic psychologists now train police in interview techniques that negate such risks by referencing deceptive experiments like those of Page, Chobrak, and Zaragoza. Time journalist Amanda Ripley said, quote, I think after 9-11, we all wanted to have a piece of it. I mean, I think if we're being honest with ourselves... There was a really human strong desire to to not only give back and try to help, but also to connect to it in some fundamental way. End quote. After Alicia's fraud was exposed, she declined to all further interviews.
1: Yeah, no shit. Cause you fucked up, bitch. Like everyone would yeah, yeah, be, like, be like, uh, yeah, hi, why'd you lie about like asshole? the most like sensitive thing you like we
0: didn't want you to lie about ever? Literally ever? In the last like since like Pearl Harbor. <sighs> It was rumored that she left New York and returned to Spain. In February 2008, an anonymous email was sent from a Spanish account to members of the World Trade Center Survivors Network, claiming that Alicia had died by suicide, unable to live with what she had done.
1: I mean, we can't believe anything that you say, ever. So yeah. unless we see your body, we don't believe you. Girl, yeah. is
0: this like your first fucking here? Yeah, I, I wised up. Again. It only
1: took me like half the fucking story, but yeah, I wised up. This bitch is lying.
0: Yeah, it's fucking outrageous. <laughs> You're like, yes, correct. <laughs> In 2012, a book and feature film documentary both titled The Woman Who Wasn't There, which is one <gasps> of my sources, yes, told Tanya's story from inside the World Trade Center Survivor Network, utilizing interviews with Alicia and members of the network before and after her deception was revealed. The documentary ends with footage of what filmmaker Angelino Gugliemo believes to be Alicia. On September 14th, 2011, Alicia was seen in New York coming out of a hotel with her mother. And Angela confronted her. He oh. shouted, quote, How dare you? Don't you have any feelings for the people you've hurt? End quote. And Alicia seen getting in his face, trying to cover the camera, and threatening to call the police. Then she disappeared into the crowd. In July 2012, Alicia was fired from her position at Interpartner Assistance, an insurance company in Barcelona, once her employers found out about her lies regarding 9-11. Spanish newspaper El País reports that she is still registered as living at her home in Barcelona, although that has not been confirmed. The Independent revealed that they were unable to, quote, verify a LinkedIn profile for Alicia Estevehead that appears to match her biography and claims she is still working at the Esade Business School and living in New York, end quote. Important to note, the Esade Business School did not respond to requests about whether she was working there. She has not been seen in almost a decade and her current whereabouts are unknown. Survivor Carrie Cohen-Sullivan said in a Channel 4 documentary, quote, I'm very torn. She did a lot of good for our network. It's hard to discredit it all. But she didn't have to lie. She could have done those things without needing to lie. End quote. And towards the end of the woman who wasn't there, Linda, who was at some point Tanya's best friend and a survivor, is seen saying to another survivor, quote, All the things I was doing this year, putting this together, I was thinking, where's Tanya when you need her? You know what I mean? And it just made me feel even more upset because I'm like, I miss her. I really, I miss her. You know, I miss it like I miss life back on September 10th. I miss, I miss that. I miss the what was, I miss the what could have been. That's what I miss. End quote. And that's the absolutely fucked up story of Alicia Head, a.k.a. Tanya Head, a.k.a. one of the most famous 9-11 survivors who actually wasn't even in the country when the fuck it happened. Girl. Girl. I am
1: just shooketh. The rug has been ripped out from under me. Yeah. I like cannot fucking handle this. Yeah. For one fucking second. Yeah. That was crazy. Like
0: truly no bullshit towards the, be- like when I was talking about her account, Amy absolutely got teary eyed. I
1: 100% did. And now I feel like I have been just like, like bitch. So How imagine you? if you were actually there
0: like, as and a- lost <gasps> people and then finding that shit out
1: like as many stories as we've been through as many like horrifying things if, as we've gone this over is up there. and like I've never once like gotten really no, like no, emotional no. about anything no so like the fact that like this is the thing that got me and then this like bitch fucking lied like
0: you just like toyed with my emotions Yeah. how dare you yeah. woman and and that she <sighs> actually used re- because so her so, the, the man in the red bandana, oh. his family did a memorial for yeah. and asked her to speak <gasps> at it because it's like, he helped you. He saved you, he yeah. He saved you. Like, could you please say stuff? And basically... She wrote something out and then started like freaking the fuck out the day of and was like, "I can't do this. I can't. I can't." Do yeah, this. that's can't. your conscience. That's called guilt, motherfucker. Yeah. Being like, so yeah, Linda hi.
1: This feels really wrong and awful and terrible, and I shouldn't be I'm doing a this." Trash yes. person.
0: Yes. Yes. So Linda got up and read what she wrote about it because linda's like yeah like she's like just going through a thing because this is very it's very emotional
1: and it's yeah so not it's hard like for her to, not she's, she's lying and so therefore it's impossible for her to say these words that aren't true yes
0: and like technically a crime wasn't committed oh because she i didn't feel steal
1: like ethically a crime was committed against me monique <laughs> <laughs> my emotions were toyed with this was yes. not okay but you did an amazing job though. Thank I, that you. was not a. Re- that is not you toyed with my emotions. This bitch.
0: This fucking bitch. Tanya but, but slash Alicia. Whatever no. the fuck. Fuck you. Yeah. But the man in the red bandana was real. Was real. And, and all of that was real. He was a hero. He a fucking hero. And that she was like, I basically googed another story and like stole the story. And just
1: like, yeah, made my own version of it. Took the highlights and like,
0: you know, remix. Cool. And and just like the documentary is so fascinating because initially it was supposed to be a documentary just about like nine eleven survivors. Yeah, and then in the middle of it, all of this shit came out. Wow. So then it turns to like, no, she's a fucking fraud, and everyone is like, she was just such a joy and a light, and was so supportive, and <sighs> you know, that's the you had she was laying. The worst. If you were like going through it, you're like. But she went through it so much worse. Like I need to get it together because like she's like so positive and yeah, because she didn't fucking actually go through any of this. No, shit. but like I, the story of her talking about the like trip to Hawaii and all that, Amy, I would swear on my fucking life, I'd be like, that's a thousand percent true. <gasps> it's a thousand percent true. Like and... those people get me worse than anything 10, else. Thousand fucking percent fuck man if you're interested in the documentary you can find it on amazon prime uh, i'll have to check that out that sounds the really woman who crazy. wasn't there it's like just over an hour it's an easy watch that's crazy dude but that's why i was like because i was researching this i'm like there has to be some sort of psychological thing here yeah like because what she's not financially benefiting from this no because even like in the the imposter for instance yeah if, yeah okay he's like getting away from like his like charges Like, he's getting some sort of, like, very clear legal benefit.
1: Yes. And also, I feel like it was one of those things, like, once he realized, like, that this actually seemed to be, like, kind of, like, helping the family and they seemed to, like, respond to him and they, like, needed this. Like, you kind of feel like you're almost, like, you're, like, providing some sort of, like, cathartic thing for them where you're just, like, like, what else? Are they going to be miserable or are they going to believe that I'm their kid? I'm helping them out. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, no. This, like, it is such...
1: Uh, a, like, disgusting that's lie. It's so rhymey,
0: yeah. Because I remember not uh, that long ago, a comedian, it came out, like, he had kind of, like, meant said that he was at 9-11. Oh! And then it turned out that he wasn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it was
0: the... I can't remember his name, but I feel like he's the guy from the league. He's, like... Yes, 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 yes. 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 And that basically was one of those things that he just kind of, like, said at a party and was like, oh my god, what the fuck did I say? And then, like, was, like he had to commit to it because he had said it. Yep. And... I kind of understand like I was recently asked my age, and I, I looked to this person dead in the eye and I was like, I'm 34. And I was like, I'm sorry. No. Why, why did I say I'm that? Yeah. Absolutely not. I was like, I was conflating the fact that I was born in 1984 and then I was like in my 30s. I was like, I'm sorry, that's emphatically not true. And I just lied to you with and no I just, like, hesitation. Yeah. And, and it was like, and I didn't even intend to lie. It was just like a thing that like fell out of my mouth. And I was like, and it took me a second to be like, wait, I'm sorry. That's completely actually, true. Yeah. But I also like caught it. And I also didn't claim to like survive to nine eleven. Yeah, exactly. You claim to be two years younger than you actually are. Yeah. so My bad. Yeah. Um, That, so I know that story was tough, but I felt it was very important to like go through like what she told everyone she hundred percent. so that you could be like, holy fuck, this woman went through it and then be like, by the way, all of it was a fucking lie. Yes. Yes. I feel like I just got duped by her all over again. Yeah, Fuck. (sighs) So yeah, so I went a little rogue. It's technically not illegal what she did. It should be. But she's trash. But she's trash.
1: And that should have been a crime. 100%. Yeah, that is a crime. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That was amazing. I thought you did a fucking fantastic job. I did not think the, anything was gratuitous or anything. I thought everything okay. was very, yeah. I loved that. I loved the whole narrative, how you did that. Thank I you. feel
0: bewildered.
1: bewildered. <laughs> like I'm just, it's so many things at once. Yeah. I did. I did. I got a little emotional at that. That was very, yeah, felt very real, very raw. Yeah. And then, like, to find out that all of it was a fucking lie. Like, how dare you?
0: How literally? Fucking, how fucking dare, dare you? you?
1: That's like claiming you were fucking like in a fucking concentration camp in
0: the Holocaust, oh. and then never
1: having been to fucking
0: and, Europe. Period. Yeah, and just like going to like some like tattoo shop in like Wilmersburg and be like, hey, can you throw some? Hey, here's another there. Cool. Thanks. And then being like, I actually don't have a passport because I've never been outside the continent yeah. of the United States. Like, thanks. Actually, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I just,
1: I couldn't imagine. I
0: couldn't imagine. Literally, like, actually, literally, and it's that thing of like, I always try to be like, okay, well, and and I I try to not be very holier than thou because like we're all fucked up and we all have our reasons, but I'm like,
1: no, I'm, I'm gonna just- be holier than that about this.
0: This is this is <laughs> yeah.
1: This is, not, this is a I, level that I could I, most even, people I do
0: not think could ever get to. I could even get lying about being there. Yeah. But the level of, like, I have the most intense story of, like, literally everyone, And there's, like, foot, you see this footage of her, like, hugging Giuliani, <gasps> hugging fucking Bloomberg, because what? they're like, oh, my God, yeah. you're a fucking hero. And, and it's like, and you are the one person who's a victim, you're a survivor, and you're also a widow. And it said, and they they talk about it in the documentary of like when it all came out that the widows of nine eleven were like, why would you want to be us? Yeah, like, we're like not living our best lives. Yeah, we're like destroyed forever. Yes, and I that's why I was like, it has to be some sort of psychological disorder. Yes, that's the only thing that makes sense to because- me because how because you're not even financially profiting from it you're actually losing money
1: and just like how does this not eat you alive i just don't understand like i just how does this not like fester inside of you that you're just doing this thing that's so horribly disingenuous yes
0: and repulsive you're right it's fucking repulsive that's the word it's it's a very it gives me lots of like munchausen vibes yes but instead of like (gasps) sickness it's like trauma
1: 100 percent
0: yeah that was such a fucking good story, dude. Thank you. Your fucking story was
1: crazy. Crazy. It's a crazy oh, day. This was a crazy day. This was so amazing. I enjoyed this episode so much because Likewise. I got to hang out with Monique in person. Likewise. For the okay. first time in a long time. The, like, and best. Yes. And I'm I so I happy you loved it. it. <laughs> that was the greatest reaction ever. I might, like, go back and listen to this Monique's reaction, like, four times. NBD. I'm so obsessed with you. I love you so much. I'm so, so obsessed much. with you. I, I love you so much. I don't know
0: how the stars aligned that we met. And I And we ended up I thank the stars every Spartans.
1: day for bringing us together because fuck yes. Likewise. I need you in my life.
0: Likewise. It's like the joy of my week. surely.
1: Girl. Literally same. I love you so much. I love you so much. I'm so happy we're doing this. Likewise. I'm so happy you guys are along for the ride, along for this crazy journey. Yes. Thank you guys
0: so fucking much for listening. Fucking a year, over a year strong, baby. Fuck, yes. Uh, if you don't already, please follow us on the gram at another fucking horror podcast. So you can, because I'm going to put up this gorgeous <gasps> gift that Amy got me that literally brought me wait. to do. This so follow us on the gram at another fucking horror podcast you can find me at pin a promo
1: you can find me at lobotomy and that's labot period
0: amy every six episode, we do a true listener tales episode where we read your personal what the fuck stories we have one coming up and don't wait for the sixth episode send fucking mail us that shit whenever You can email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking because fuck Google guys, we're so fucking obsessed with you and we're so grateful and blessed. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.